Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 206, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained, birthday boy. That is right. It is my birthday as we record this. When you listen to it, it will not be my birthday. But Ah. still, for us, this is where time, you know, time is a man-made invention. And as the Buddha would tell you, that here is where you are not where you were or where you're going to be. So while we are here on my birthday and you are not yet here, yet we are all somewhat here at the same time. The fuck have you been smoking? <laughs> I'm just telling you, man, There's, it's a fascinating philosophy. Dude, I went down the rabbit hole on, on there's something called like quantum time block theory or whatever, that time all exists within a block and that it's all somewhat linear and that nothing is not happening. There is no past or future. It's all like in a linear thing happening all at once. Anyway, so there's that part. So (laughs) Jacques doesn't know what to do. We got to get into, of course, telling you about before. We got a lot to talk about today. We got a lot. We're going to go through the birthday list. We've got Todd Archer from ESPN, so we're going to get into all that. But we got to start you off by telling you about Greening Law. And Robert Greening, everybody knows that I was hurt in a car accident. Man, that happened last July. It's been seven months since I had my car accident. And the first thing that I did, and I think I've mentioned this before, literally the first thing I did, I had my wreck really late on a Saturday night, Monday morning at like 8.30, as soon as I knew their office was open, I called Greening Law. And it was just a simple phone call for me, 972-934-8900. But I called Greening Law because I knew that they would have the answers for me, that they would be my fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. The thing about Greening Law, Doc, is that it doesn't cost you a single solitary nickel to pick up the phone and try to let them help you. And it doesn't matter whether you've been in a car accident, you've got, uh, you know, you're at a place of business and had an accident. It doesn't matter. If you were wrongly injured, you need to give them a call, let them see if they can help you out, take you on as a client. And if they do, let me tell you be the best thing ever happened to you because they don't get paid unless you get paid, which means they are constantly on the grind for you. Consultations free. Absolutely free. Call them today. See what they can do for you. 972-934-8900. 
972-934. Call now, offices, Dallas, Texas. We got a couple of things to get into football-wise to talk about, but I thought it was funny because I'm right there with you, man, and you had sent me a text, (laughs) and it's just, number one, can we stop this foolishness about Stafford being a Hall of Fame quarterback (laughs) unless he gets another ring? And I got to say, man, this is... I'm kind of my, like I had asked chill and I, I think I might've asked Archer or Werder about it last week about what does this do for his legacy? As far as, you know, does this put him on the path towards a hall of fame? I never thought him winning the Super Bowl made him a hall of fame quarterback. No. And it, 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 and it wasn't like he was great in the Super Bowl. He was good at various times. Um, he did some Matt Stafford stuff at various times and, and threw a couple of picks and missed a couple of uh, wide-open dudes. Uh, I mean, he is human. But, you know, the Super Bowl is not, okay, let's punch our ticket, and that puts you in the canton. No, man. The Super Bowl, I mean, the Hall of Fame is supposed to be reserved for the best players of all time. Like, you know, for years, man, I've had this long-standing theory that why do we even debate if you're a Hall of Famer? Like Jim Brown, Hall of Famer. You know, yeah. Uh, pick a pick a guy. You know, Eric Dickerson, Hall of Famer. Troy Aikman, Hall of Famer. Emmitt Smith, Hall of Famer. Charles Haley, Hall of Famer. Aaron Donald. Wait, do we got to debate Aaron Donald? No. Hall of Famer. I mean, come on, man. Like, I think ninety-five percent of the Hall of Famers, there should be no debate about. Now, I'm not saying you got to be baseball, where nobody's good enough to get in the Hall of Fame, because that's writers being assholes. In my opinion, uh, football is turning a little bit too much to the Hall of Very Good Guys are getting in. Um, you know, dude, the Hall of Fame should be reserved for the best of the best, man. Like, you a badass. There, there was when you play. Check this out, man. My standard is when you played, there was nothing anybody could do with you. <laughs> yeah. Lawrence Taylor, Bob Lilly, Randy White. When they played. Dog, there just ain't nothing we can do with you, man. <laughs> There's just nothing we can do with you for a period of, in general, you know, 8 to 10 to 12 years. There's just nothing we can do with you. What Tom you- Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. Did y- y'all are great. There ain't shit we can do when you on your A game. Yeah. It's like LeBron and Luka. When they're on their A game, ain't shit you can do about it, man. They finna put up 40 points, 14 rebounds, and 12 assists. Ain't shit you can do about it. What do you think it is, like, all of a sudden about Matt Stafford? And, and I get maybe it's because he, he lamented the truth, away man. so long in Detroit, but why all of a sudden? Because this is everywhere. I mean, this is okay. everywhere about, well, Matt Stafford, Hall of Fame. I'm like, what? All right, we're going to launch into another conversation, Matt. Because let me tell you what this is all about. And we don't talk about this often. So that means don't fill up my, in my timeline with a bunch of stuff once you hear this. And this is not Matt Stafford's fault. Matt Stafford ain't got nothing to do with this. This is, are you ready, Matt? Yes. Because I'm about to break it down into three parts for you. This is, oh, Matt Stafford's a cute little story. He came from a raggedy team. He went to a good team. <clears throat> He's a doting father. He's got an attractive wife. Oh, she's got a story, too. She overcame brain cancer. He's got four kids. He's a great story. He's a good guy. And he just won a Super Bowl. So white media says, hey, let's start the Hall of Fame conversation. 
He's got all these numbers, even though we know them numbers they ain't mean shit because once they were playing from behind all the time in Detroit, which is why he got so many game-winning comebacks, but no playoff wins until this year. Okay, so that's number one of the white media because that's what it is, dog. It's the white media saying we love his story and we think he's a great guy. And so that's for us. Now he's got a Super Bowl ring. Hey, and he'll have some numbers. Let's put him in Hall of Fame. Okay, that's point number one. What I'm talking about, what the white media does. Did you see that outfit Joe Burrow wore to the game the other day? Yeah, yeah, the tiger stripe kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's been lauded for his funky sunglasses and, you know, Joe Swag, Joey Swag and all this other stuff. Okay, we all know that was a fucked up, ugly ass suit that he had on. <laughs> That's what I said when I saw him. I was like, okay, hey, what the check, hell is he wearing? But, but check this out, dog. <laughs> this is what the white media does. When Cam Newton wore stuff like that, what do we say? He's outlandish. Why does he play more attention to the game? What's he got on? Blah, 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 blah. Joe Burrow wears it, and the white media goes, <laughs> look at that. That's so unique. It's so interesting. Okay. And this is why I'm in the media, because I, I try to point this out on occasion. And then third thing, man, and this is, comes from a highly respected person. And, I, and it's not that I disagree with this, but this is what I'm talking about. Chris Mortens, one of the best reporters Ever. All right? Ever. Well, he puts out a tweet the other day that says Kyler Murray yeah. is, you know, one a source told me he's irresponsible and a finger pointer and immature or something like that. And that's cool if you did that. All right? But you just can't assassinate a dude like that and not give us some examples. Like, okay, he's immature. Can I get an example? Now, if you give an example, okay, fine. But you just can't throw stuff out there on a tweet and just kill a guy and not say, you know, not give us any details or any facts or any substance behind it. Especially, you know, when you're talking about, you know, a black quarterback. Like, people have been ripping Aaron Rodgers all year, but they told us why they're ripping Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But this is what happens, man. Um, in general, we don't hold the media to any accountability, and I'm part of the media, so I'm I'm part of it. But you know, sometimes I just get carried away with with how because the media is mostly white man telling the stories of mostly black athletes, and you know I'm working on a piece right now where I've just been shaking my head like, <laughs> and I'll tell y'all more about it later because it it involves uh, Deion Sanders and. And, uh, you know, is he going to get a power five job and, and all this other stuff? And some of the stuff that people say about him in, in decision making circles, like one guy said, you know, and, and again, man, I want, let me put it like this. <clears throat> I was talking to the guy who was working on the story, who's a terrific reporter. I'll tell you about him later. And he, he was talking to a bunch of ADs and search firms and stuff. And he said, well, you know, one of the issues with, uh, with Dion is, uh, you know, they're afraid that he'll hire his friends and bring them on his staff. And I stopped the guy and I said, just correct me if I'm wrong, bro. Doesn't every fucking coach hire his friends? Yes, yeah, what I was thinking <laughs> in my head. I was like, what do you mean? Like, like, literally, isn't that what every coach does? Hey, Matt. Hey, dog. I'm, I'm, I'm about to get this head coach a job. I can, I can give you a raise. And uh, you my boy, I want you to be my defensive coordinator. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, that's what dudes do, man. That's what coaches do. Because you meet all these guys on the way up, 
And you go, if I ever get a job, Matt, you're my DC, man, and we're going to kill this thing. That's what they do. And then Matt's telling his boys, hey, if I ever get a job, hey, Chris, you're my DC, and Mike, you're my OC. You know, I mean, that's just what it goes, man. But now that it's Deion Sanders, it's, oh, well, he's just going to hire his friends. Or my favorite, well, does he know he, he has to wear a suit and he just can't wear sweats and, and gold chains when he meets the, the powerful little boosters? Like, really, dog? <laughs> Ain't this the same guy who, bought, who made sure his team had suits for away games? Now, the whole point of this is, and we're talking about Matt Stafford here, even though we took an exit ramp, it's the white media shapes these storylines and these narratives, and if nobody ever calls bullshit, they just go. And, no, Matt Stafford is a really good quarterback. But he ain't no Hall of Fame quarterback right now. That don't mean by the time it's over, he might not be a Hall of Fame quarterback. He put another Super Bowl together. All right, now we're cooking with grease, as they say. But, hey, man, Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls. He ain't no Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, Dan Marino never won one. He is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm sorry, that was a very long rant, rant man. No, but it's interesting because, like, if As you, a black man, I get tired of this. Oh, I, I can, I'm not going to say I can understand <laughs> why, because I can't, but I can see why, because I'm not blind. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like, what are y'all talking about, man? But, you know, it's like Richard Sherman came out, and, and he's gotten some flack, for, and, uh, like, I literally just now on Twitter, like, I didn't know I was going to see this. Jacques and I are talking about this. Some dude, I don't know who this is. His name is Brooks Austin. He's a film person for the Georgia Bulldogs who writes for SI.com. He literally just posted a thing for that he has on here. If Matt Stafford isn't a Hall of Famer, please tell me who is. Well, Stafford went to Georgia. So obviously they're going to defend him. And I thought, you know, Richard Sherman came out, and this is what he said. He put out this tweet. He said, I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, not ours, but I guess he has one. But the Hall of Fame bar is incredibly low now, like a participation trophy and this is, this is Matt Stafford, and this is true. Never been named on an all-decade team, never been an all-pro, has never won an MVP, has never been MVP of the Super Bowl, never considered the best in any year he played, and he has only ever been elected to one Pro Bowl in an era where three to five to six quarterbacks every year go to the Pro Bowl. And, you know, you look at his numbers, and I would put, unless the ring is just the great separator here, Matt Ryan is ahead of Matt Stafford in a lot of these categories. Yeah, because Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan at one point was considered top two or three quarterback in the league. That's why he won an MVP and some other stuff. He was considered that dude, Matty Ice. And, they, uh, and they came into the, into the NFL one year apart. Ryan was 08 and Stafford was a rookie in 09. But here's what's going to happen. And this is something, man, and, and I've argued with people about Phillip Rivers on this. We are in an era of football where the Dan Marinos and the Joe Montanas and some of these these hallowed records that you look at and you go, well, they're top five all time. They're top 10 all time. All those guys that are playing in this era of football are going to put some of these names that had been at the top of the list, just they're going to plummet. Because you look at this, if Stafford plays five more seasons and he gets to where he plays through his age 38 year, and he turns 39 in the February after his 38 year, and he retires. Five more seasons. At his current pace, he'll be around 73,000 yards, which right now would put him third all time. He would be around 470 touchdowns, which would put him fifth all time. 263 interceptions, fifth all time. 
His quarterback rating has gone up slightly in the year that he played for the Rams. It's still just 91. That's 21st all time. My point is this. Matt Ryan is not retiring anytime soon. Aaron Rodgers, we don't know if he's retiring anytime soon. Both those guys are ahead of him on the passing list. And then you have like Russell Wilson. How long is he going to play? And and so the thing of it is we just because somebody is passing for all these yards and throwing all these touchdowns, we can't put everybody in this era in the Hall of Fame. You what you do is you take the best people from that era and you say, okay, if everybody is throwing for 70,000 years that has a career in this era, who were the best ones at doing that? Not, oh, yeah. well, he did it, so he's a Hall of Famer. No, man, I mean, watch the damn game. If you watch the game, the Hall of Famers will reveal themselves to you. I mean, it's, it has to be about more than stats because as the game has changed, you know, what was it? When, check this out, dog. I was trying to drop some numbers from, uh, from Starback, but – even with Troy Aikman, Troy Aikman threw the ball like 23, 24 times a game, man. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Where, whereas, you know, Dak might throw 24 in the first half. Uh, Dak, when it's all said and done, will probably own most of the franchise passing records. Does anybody think he's better than Roger Staubach or Troy Aikman? Hell no. But he'll own all the records. And the game has changed, and we have to understand the game has changed. And it's all good, but come on, man. Matt Stafford's a really good quarterback who had a uh, – who I mean, basically, the Super Bowl was like a Matt Stafford game to me, man. Yeah. And, I mean, and that was a classic Matt Stafford game. I, I got to be honest with you. I, I don't know that he's ever gotten a vote for MVP. And, and things like that are real telling to me because when you look at this, and I can sit here, and, and fairly or unfairly, he played in this era, right? And we've kind of talked about this. This is a guy, and you can say, well, he played on those crappy Detroit teams. Well, part of the reason they were crappy is because Matt Stafford threw some interceptions and some untimely passes. Well, they didn't have a running game. Oh, that, I mean, it's part of it, man. I mean, you look at this. Matt Stafford, again, ne- only one time in his NFL career has be- he been voted to the Pro Bowl. He's never led the league in yards. He's never led the league in touchdowns. He's led the league in interceptions. Hell, he did that this year. That's what I'm saying. I I don't know. He has one 5,000-yard passing season in his career. That came in 2011 when he also threw for 41 touchdowns, and he had a really good year, and the Lions went 10-6. and He did not receive a single vote for MVP that year. Do you know why? Because Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees were playing. Yeah. Like, like, honestly, go through every year of his career. They, they are telling you that only once in his career did they believe that he was one of the top three quarterbacks in his conference for that year. Yeah. And so, to me, how is a guy a Hall of Famer if only one time in the course of his career did anybody even consider him a top three quarterback in his conference? Not the league, <laughs> in his conference. Dude, that's why it's silly, man. I, you know, that's why these, like, th- these narratives drive me crazy, man. Absolutely, positively crazy, um, you know. But they're out there, and so sometimes you just have to address them. We, we, nobody would address all of them, but this stuff about Matt Stafford, a Hall of Famer, man, come on, bro. Um, it just, you know, <laughs> you know, he wasn't even the MVP of the Super Bowl. So what are we talking about? Yeah, I, I don't. It's and let's be honest. If it wasn't Cooper Cup, it would have been Aaron Donald. It wasn't going to be Stafford. Right, and you can make the argument that uh, that it should have been Donald, even though well they need to change the rule. Been, 
what in terms of when you vote yeah like that, five. That, that is asinine because like, as many people have pointed out what were they going to do if cincinnati had gone down the field and scored at the very end right uh or you know at least if it's a you know if it's if the lead is less than 10 then you just got to wait you know to the end of the game or however you do it um but it yeah it needs to be a better system yeah, and it, it, is, it is fascinating because I think you're exactly right with what you were going through because Matt, I, I don't hate Matt Stafford. Like, I have no hate for Matt Stafford. He seems no. to be like a really quality human. He's the type of guy, and I, I always, you know, this is why I love Jason Witten because I felt if somehow in my life I had been an NFL player, I'd have been the guy running down the field without my helmet on. I'd have been the guy that broke my jaw and is like, I don't give a, you know, who cares? Wire it shut. I'm playing. And Matt Stafford is that right. type of guy. Like, Matt Stafford has played with a separated shoulder and played with all these types of injuries on a really shitty team for many years. And so I think right. you look at that and you go, man, that's, okay, that's a football player, which is great. But right. when you're talking Hall of Fame, I mean, that's, <laughs> we're talking different things here. That, that has nothing to do with how you look at Stafford or how, how good of a dude he seems to be and his family and that whole <laughs> picture. That has nothing to do with getting into the Hall of Fame. Dude, too many... And this is reporters, man, because uh, a lot of reporters vote on this kind of stuff, man. And the thing that drives me nuts is, is when you go, well, well that guy was a good dude, so yeah, let's you know, let's let's try to get him taken care of. And oh, this guy was an a hole; he he never got time for me or anything. Uh, let's screw him now, dude. It ain't about you, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's really not. It's supposed to be about the game. And the best who ever played. And if you can't separate the two, and then just say, hey, you don't want to vote no more. Um, but don't be out here punishing people, man, and uh, and doing that. It drives me nuts. I agree because I think, and let's all be honest here, if, if you want to take, and, and I'm talking about, to me, I look at this and say, in the era in which you played, your peers, from 2009 until whenever he decides to retire, you're telling me, that if I asked you to name five or six of the best quarterbacks that played in that era, Matt Stafford's on your list, you're kidding me. <laughs> Hell yeah, they're kidding you. Because again, they're all not getting in, and there's already, there is a line of quarterbacks that played. We're talking about one of them, two of them just retired, in Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger. Russell Wilson's probably, we'll see. Russell Wilson's going to be an interesting one for me as well. Aaron Rodgers is going to Hall of Fame. Drew Brees is going to Hall of Fame. Those guys played in the era of Matt Stafford. And there I mean there's a gap between that group and Matt Stafford. There just is. It's it's, it's a chasm. It's bigger than a gap, bro. <laughs> That's what you know, and then if you want to talk about it, you go, oh well, he can still okay. Guess who he's playing with now? Pat Mahomes. I mean, <laughs> I what are we doing? What are we doing? Now, like you said, if this dude wants to continue playing and he gets another ring and at the end of the day, if, if all of a sudden he retires and he's got all the numbers and he's got a couple of rings, then the conversation changes. One ring does not get you into the Hall of Fame. Nor should it. Otherwise, yeah. open it up and put Brad Johnson and Trent Dilfer in there. Bro, that's what's up. That's what I'm talking about. I'm just, let's just okay. have some perspective, man. Let's, let's not live in a moment. And and again, being a great dude don't get you in the Hall of Fame, man. No, it's not, it doesn't. Right, Just like right. being a douchebag doesn't keep you out. Ben right. Roethlisberger. And, and, and there you go. And, you know, I would say something like this. Like, if I had a vote, I don't. But if I did, you know, now me, me and Dez, Brian, get along just great now. Fine. We got along fine and when he first came in the league. And then we had a little rocky period. Well, I can't go. Well, hey, he, he tried to yell at me one day, so screw him. 
I'm not giving him my ring of honor vote. Well, dude, that would just be dumb. Like, I saw Dez play. Dez Bryant was one of the best players the Cowboys ever had at wide receiver. Yeah. Behind the Hall of Famers, he's probably next in line. So, you know, he deserved – if you wanted to put him in there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't scream and shout. He's the all-time leader in touchdowns for a storied franchise. Pass receiving touchdowns. Um, so, but the point is, I wouldn't let my personal feelings get in the way. No, I get you, and, and they shouldn't. And the Matt Stafford Hall of Fame debate is – there's no reason to try and put him in right now because if his career ended today, he would not get in. That's just reality. Just like Philip Rivers isn't getting in. I don't. And then people want to argue. Philip Rivers is Philip Rivers is better than Matt Stafford. I know. That's that's what I'm talking about. And I don't. And man, some guy would just not get off this. And I was like, look, dude, there. You're not. Eli Manning failure or unfairly, I think, is going to the Hall of Fame. And you could debate whether or not it should be him or Philip Rivers. But the reality of it is, again, with Philip Rivers. There are very few times in his career where you look at it and you thought he was one of those guys. Point being, Phillip Rivers is an eight-time Pro Bowler. Matt Stafford is a one-time Pro Bowler. Phillip Rivers led the NFL in passing yards one year, led the NFL in touchdowns another year. Phillip Rivers appeared and had people vote for him for NFL MVP. He was top three in the NFL MVP race one year. Matt Stafford has never finished anywhere for the MVP. So, I mean, what are we, come on. Now, if Rivers had gotten a, a, a ring, I, I think he is a Hall of Famer. But he, to me, is in the Hall of Very Good because Phillip Rivers was 5-7 and seven in his playoff career and never played in a Super Bowl. Yeah. And I have a hard time when he played in the same draft class as Ben Roethlisberger that you're telling me both those guys go to the Hall of Fame. No. And, I, you know, it's not for everybody, man. I say this all the time. My favorite car right now is a Mercedes CLS 500. I can't really afford that right now, man. So guess what? I don't have it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Fair enough. It ain't for everybody, man. Everybody can't afford everything, dog. That's true. And so it ain't for you, man. And so, nah, some, the Hall of Fame ain't for everybody. It's a special place, man. And uh, it's just not for everybody. There's lots of stuff rich folks do that me and Matt can't do. Yeah, it ain't man. for us. Yeah. I mean, it just ain't for us. Matter of fact, I got some friends who belong to a what do you call it? It's one of those special bars or clubs somewhere downtown in Trinity Groves. Because they mentioned it to me one day. And I said, oh, well, maybe I'll join. You know, I got a business now. Maybe I'll take clients over there. They go, yeah, well, we got in when the, uh, you know, when they, uh, the fee to get in was like 1500 and It was a lifetime membership wow. fee. Now it's 10K. That's 10 bands for you hip people. I was like, bro. I ain't got ten bands for that, so it ain't for me. So I don't get none. Of, I don't get none of those those impressive yeah. meetings, you know. Uh, now I did. Now y'all know me, so I did ask for a couple of my friends because a couple of my friends have memberships. I said, since y'all didn't tell a brother about it when it's open, can can you, can you give me grandfather in at fifteen hundred? I said I'll pay fifteen hundred if I can get in there for fifteen hundred if it's a lifetime membership. But again, until that day, Matt, and none of those people have, have got back to me, so that seems to be that the answer is no. Yeah, I guess that's um, your answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, everything ain't for everybody. So the Hall of Fame ain't for everybody, man. It's for the best of the best of the best of the best. It reminds me, if I if I could, of Bruce Biltong. Hey, the best of the best of the best. That's of what the I'm best. talking about. Like, like, if you like beef jerky, you're gonna love Biltong because Bruce Biltong is what we're talking about. 
It, that's why I like it, because it is the best. It's better than beef jerky. It's available online at brewsbiltong.com, B-R-U-S, Biltong, B-I-L-T-O-N-G, brewsbiltong.com. You get to have it. You can order it right now, and you get 15% off if you use the promo code JAM15. We make it easy for you. <laughs> it doesn't really come any any uh, any better than that, man. I'm a Biltong fan, bro, for one reason and one reason only. It's good on your waistline. 30 grams of protein, no carbs, no sugar, no additives. And it fills me up in the middle of the afternoon. That's when I like to ride with it, man. Uh, it gets me going from the afternoon till you know, either lunch or from lunch to dinner. Yeah. But the main thing is I can eat it and I don't have to feel bad about eating it. It's exactly, you nailed it. That's what it is. There's zero sugar. There's zero artificial ingredients. It's bruisebiltong.com. Check them out. And I'm telling you. If you haven't tried it yet, you need to. And the best part, you get 15% off your order with the promo code JAM15. You talk about champions, you talk about another one with Deb and Mike and Blue Star Motor Group. Again, we on our podcast, our sponsors, and many of you have have helped and supported our sponsors. You know, and Blue Star Motor Group is another one of them. Another one of them that gives you that elite level customer service that, that is really trying to work with you to find you a vehicle. If you're looking to buy or sell and you don't incorporate them into the process, then to me, honestly, you're just throwing away money because you're not finding out what they're able to do for you. Nah, man. Deb is the answer woman. Give her a call. She answers back. She texts back. She gets, you know, I've texted at least two or three times. I've always gotten an answer back within uh, five or ten minutes. And the first time, she didn't know it was me. So this is not a Jacques Taylor special hookup phone number. Um, but the thing is, man, she's a deal maker. She, she excels at getting deals done. If you want to get a car, she'll find you a car anywhere in the country. They'll get it to Dallas. They'll get you the great deal on it. And, uh, you know, as I like to say, man, they like it to have smiles at the end of the deal. Handshakes done, contracts signed, everybody happy. And it's easy. It's super easy because you can call her or you can text her. I mean, either way, she'll get back to you right away. 817-881-4066. 817-881-4066. Or go online. Check out their inventory. Pick out a car that, that you want and give her a call. Say, hey, I'm, I'm looking at this one. What can we do at bluestarmotorgroup.com? Easy to do. So have that happen. All right. We got to have this trip around the block here. And I think this is going to be a fun one. As you mentioned earlier, it is my birthday today. And I was talking about this earlier. I'm curious. This has always been a fascination of mine. There are things about my birthday that I just, I never forget for whatever reason. And a lot of the times, like for instance, every person that I ever met in my life that I've, I physically have talked to face to face that has my birthday, I remember them. Really? Yeah. And I think what it is, is, and I don't know if you felt this way. But when I like when I was a little little kid, I like to me I just thought I was the only person born on that day. Like this is my birthday. Like I'm the I'm the person. And then right, like right, the right. I'll ne like the first time I ever met somebody who was born on the same day as me, it was when I was in I was probably in second or third grade, and I was on the swim team in Plano, and our swim coach Steve had the same birthday as me, and I remember being like, man, that's so wild that this guy. But at the same time, I was like, well, he wasn't born the same year as me, so it's still like my birthday. <laughs> and dude, I remember the first time it was a kid named, I was in fourth grade at Rosa Scott Elementary School in Madison, Mississippi. And th this was not unique for me. Like anybody who had a birthday, they would, you'd go to the front of the class and they'd sing happy birthday to you, our class would. Right. And so <laughs> we get there because we had moved there the summer before fourth grade. So I go the whole year, you know, and then it gets to my birthday. 
And they go, okay, in alphabetical order. They go, Matt McLaren, go to the front of the class. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to sing to me. And then the teacher goes, and James Tellis, go to the front. And I'm like, what? Like, James Tellis. <laughs> and because we're the exact same age, I mean, same year. And I'm looking at this dude, and he's looking at me. And I, I sometimes wonder if in his head he was thinking, what the hell? Like, this is supposed to be my day. Like, you're not supposed to also be a song sang to you today. And I don't know why, but I've, I've never, I've, I never, I will tell you this. We weren't friends. I didn't hardly know that kid. My family moved away from Mississippi back to Texas after I spent fourth and fifth grade there. I've never talked to that guy. I have no idea what he does today. And yet I will never forget that guy to this very day because we have the same birthday and that's the first time in my life I ever met anybody born on the exact same day as me. That's amazing. Now, here's here's my version of that, which is I had a friend of mine, Pam Hale, in the fourth grade and we had, a, we had the same birthday. And then we went to middle school together and high school together and she lives in Cedar Hill. And so I see her probably four or five times a year at Walmart or something. Every time I see her, she says, hey, birthday twin, what's up? <laughs> That's kind of cool. And she's been saying that, dude, for the last 30 years since we've been out of high school. Or sometimes she's shortened it to hey, twin. Um, and uh, the last time I saw her, and this is where it comes in handy, we're trying to get my dude his license. And, you know, COVID's got everything backed up. And uh, we, we got to the driver's license place, man, at like 6.30. And it doesn't open till 7. There was already a line. Mm. Huge line. And uh, I heard this bossy lady bossing people, telling people where to stand and all this stuff. And we made eye contact because I was like, she needs to shut up. She's being awful loud. <laughs> <laughs> and we made contact. And I said, oh, shit, that's my girl. And she looked at me. She said, twin. And she came over and she said, what y'all doing, twin? I said, we're trying to get up here and do, follow me, follow me. I got you, I got you, I got you. Oh, that's and awesome. We went, we went right to the front of the line. My girl, Pam Hale. That's really interesting. And it, probably the, my weirdest encounter is a lot of people will know this name, especially you might remember he played for the Dallas Stars, Yaramir Yager. Hell yeah. His 50th birthday is, well, today, many of you listening to this, not on the 15th. We have the same birthday. Well, he happened to get traded for and play for the Stars the same year that one of the years where I was working for the stars doing radio pre and post game stuff. And so I thought, you know, Hey, I, I've got it. This will be great because we share our same birthday and I can walk over to him and let him know. And we'll probably, he'll probably talk to me and be really cool. Well, I, I walk over, you know how it is. Like he comes in and, and maybe he wasn't traded for, but whatever he was signed or whatever it was like his first appearance and stuff. And I'm there and the media scrum kind of dies down, and I go, Yaramir, hey, man, do, you, do you have a second? He's like, oh, he's from Czech Republic or whatever. He's like, yes, you know, that Eastern European accent. And I go, oh, we're birthday buddies. <laughs> this dude looked at me, and he had a look <laughs> on his face, and I was like, this is what, he's about to check me into the wall in the middle of this locker room. And he just looked at me and goes, I am not your buddy. <laughs> And I was just like, no, I mean, like, you were born on February 15th, and I was also born on February 15th. We share a birthday. And he just was kind of like, okay. And I was like, all right, well. <laughs> He's kind of looked at me. He's like, well, that's all I had, so all right. I we'll guess I'll ya. keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, like, the weirdest 
encounter that I ever had, you know, and that's by far like the only person anybody would know that I've met in person that has the same birthday as me. And there's a, I, I dated a girl when I was in college, her mom was born on the same day as me. And that, that was always kind of random, but you know, it's just, it's weird. Like I remember stuff from history that I've read about in my lifetime that happened right. on my birthday. For instance, three famous people that were born on my birthday, other than Yarmir Yager, that I've never met, but Susan B. Anthony was born on this date. The, the creator of The Simpsons, his name's Matt Groening or whatever, he was born on this day. Yeah. And How about that? A former Saturday Night Live comedian and alum who passed away years ago, Chris Farley, was born on February 15th. Really? Yeah, and so I think about... And it's weird because I don't know those people at all, but every time it's my birthday, I think about those people because we all share that day. Man, and I feel badly because you say it like that. I don't know any famous people who were born on my birthday only because I've never looked any of them up. Yeah, I don't know. Like, for whatever reason, like, just years ago, I think I, I used to love Saturday Night Live when I was younger, and, and that's how right. I know Chris Farley. I don't know how I know the other ones, but, but it's like events that happened on my birthday, for instance, and these are so weird. The movie right. Breakfast Club was released February 15th, 1985. Really? I yeah, love that I just, movie. I, I just, you know what? I was going to ask you about that, but I said, well, he's only been six years old. I don't know if he paid any attention to it. No, I mean, I didn't go to the theater when I was six to see it, but yeah, I mean, I'm a, I, I love Breakfast Club. It's one of the great 80s coming-of-age movies of all time that I probably saw for the first time when I was in high school 10 years after it came out, you know? But all right, all right. Uh, there's another thing that I always remember. The Canadian flag, the one that we all know, the, the red and white maple leaf flag, Right. they adopted Badass. that flag on February 15th, 1965. Dude. <laughs> and how about this? I'm not, and I don't know why. I'll never forget these things. The first time in 1903, February 15th, 1903, I can never remember this dude's last name. His first name's Morris. Owned right. a little shop in Brooklyn, New York, and he was the first person ever to put a teddy bear for sale. Really? Yep. Dude. Put it dude, in the window yeah. of his store, and he sold the first ever what was known as a teddy bear. And, wow. and I, again, what's the point of this? I don't know why I know this, but I guess it's affiliated with my birthday. I read it somewhere once, and I've never forgotten it. Well, let's go deeper on your birthday, because um, over the last uh, nine months, I've gotten a lot deeper. Okay, listen to this, people. Astrology. And so I'm sure some of you are like, what? So, yeah, man, I've gotten deeper into astrology. I think it's very interesting. Now, I'm not saying this is like the end-all, be-all, and this is who you are. And I'm not talking about just your sun sign, because your sun sign is like Matt's an Aquarius, I'm a Capricorn, you know, depending on what year you're born. I mean, what month you're born, that's yeah. your sign. Aquarius! Exactly. That's me. I'm talking about going deeper into your moon, which is really how you act. Like your, So yeah. your sun can be one day, but your moon sign is really how you act. And then there's your Mercury, your Venus, which is how you love, your Mars, which is kind of like how you go about your business. Your Mercury is more like how you think. And so, you know, whenever you're talking about astrology, so I did a deep dive on myself because I know myself better than anybody. And I, when I finished looking, I go, this is pretty damn accurate for me. So then I plugged my son in there and I plugged my sister. I plugged a bunch of people who I knew really well. And again, I'm not saying this is 100% of who you are, it's, but it's a lot of characteristics about who you are. 
So in case you're interested and you want to do yourself and just check it out, I think it's a great conversation starter with with your significant other or. or uh, oh, yeah, you know, for just, sure. For sure. Yeah. Just because it gets you talking about yourself and each other. But to do that, you need to know, obviously, the birth date and the city, because think about it, the moon and all that stuff is yeah. in a different longitude and latitude wherever you were born in the world. And then the time gets it even more specific. So I told Matt I was going to look him up just to see. And he really comes across on his stuff as, as kind of what he is. And I'll tell you what I saw. Um, he's an Aquarius, which is um, really people who tend to be very intellectual, which is why it shouldn't surprise y'all that he ran a, uh, what do you call it, thing? trivia thing. And he loves trivia. Yeah. And, he re- and he's a voracious reader. And he comes across, which is kind of like your ascendant. That's how you're viewed by other people as a cancer, which is not like not like the bad cancer, but more like the cancer of uh, humanity because the sign for cancer is more like the mother. So she's kind of like a, uh, a protector of sorts, which is why he's always, in my opinion, be doing his, uh, his confrontational shit to find other people who won't. Like, do you think it, we're just standing in line for nothing or you think you can just skip <laughs> to the front? That's true. <laughs> But I found this interesting, man. You tell me what you think. So his Mars is in Aquarius, and that's kind of like how you think. And it goes, Mars and Aquarius men are sensitive, idealistic, and devoted companions, always interested in the new and unusual, and uh, they find inventive ways to satisfy demands of change. They are creative, innovative, and intellectual. Yeah. Now, to me, that sounds like Matt, creative, innovative, intellectual. I just told y'all he reads all the fucking oh all the time, and he's got he's got, <laughs> I mean, he's got these these trivia things yeah. he does. I mean, he's a highly intelligent person who knows a lot about a lot, even if he knows a little about a lot. Maybe that's the way to say it. Yeah. All right. Now he's also got Aquarius Sun Libra Moon, and Moon the Libra Moon is really kind of like how how you think he would act. It's a combination of cool, detaching charm. You maintain your environment. Uh, you got the same game temperament. And you're pretty, um, what's the rest of this? You're pretty, your nature is sociable, but you you like it only in your environment. And you're kind of a humanitarian. So, um, And then you got his Mercury is in Pisces, which is kind of like your ambition. Um, and again, they're talking about these people, although basically rational, may have unusual ideas, which are in advance of conventional modes of thinking and are fascinated by the unsolved mysteries of science and what they might imply. Now, who loves a good science thing and there's life on Mars more than more than <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's very true. I, I, uh, I've, I've dove into some of this before, and it's, it's fascinating how on point it all is. And how about this one? Um, you know, no, nah, this one's wrong because I, I typed in the wrong stuff. Uh, but uh, this was uh, your love thing. But I just think it's all fascinating. I, I like for people to go take a dive on it because it makes for a wonderful, fascinating conversation. Um, and it's deeper than just what you sign. Uh, now, how did you get into this, Matt? Because a friend of mine introduced it to me, like like I said, nine or ten months ago. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. And then I started reading. I was like, well, shit, maybe there's something to this. No, it's really interesting because like I, I've read about it in in times past, and it, it's like I don't spend a lot of time in it, but anytime you come across it and, and you read about it, it it's just wild because like the more that you pinpoint the day and the time and all that, yeah, the more yeah, yeah, that yeah. It, you're just like, holy crap, this is basically what I am, and it's not a hundred percent, you know, but it's ninety like percent. General, 
I mean, I was gonna say it's, it's more like general characteristics. Now let me now let me tell you what I've started doing, Matt. I guess I'm telling the rest of y'all too. Is like when I have to work with people, I will now. Sometimes it's it's very easy to do. Sometimes it take a little more time. But dude, I'll find out their information. You know, sometimes you just ask somebody, yeah. "Hey, when's your birthday?" You know, and you can figure out when they were born, or "Hey, where you from?" And you get that information. You plug it in only so you can figure out. Okay, this is what they appear to be when I'm dealing with them. But here's just another little couple of nuggets of information of how they might be. And then you see if it plays out. And But you just use that as just another gauge of how to get along with people and how to help people play to their strengths and, and minimize the stuff that they're not as good at. Yeah, like, like for, uh, let me just read you this real quick because this is, you know, like you talked about Aquarius, but then you can go to your actual day, which February 15th is my day, as my birthday with uh, underneath the sign of Aquarius. Your impulsiveness may be as well known as your charm as an Aquarius born on February 15th. You pursue your passions with a zeal and spontaneity in all facets of life. Because of this quality, you have a diverse range of interests, connections, and experiences. While many uh, around you are intrigued by your impulsiveness, your charisma wins them over. You've always been aware of your capacity to attract fans and friends, which comes as no surprise given your mystery, warmth, and social ability. Hello. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hi, everybody. It's me. I mean, God. And it, but it's funny, too, because it'll say, oh, where was it? I was just looking at this. Oh, negative traits. So it lists some positive traits. Here's like for me being born when I was born on this specific day. Your, your thinking is far ahead of your time and everyone else in the room since they are intelligent and humorous and quick. You're inventors, brilliant thinkers, those who discover a way to bring perfection and earth and are impossible to contain. But negative traits detached from emotion, <laughs> which I, I can be a lot at times. If your emotional world is neglected for too long, they'll make self-destructive decisions, <laughs> which is very true. I mean, all this is very true. And it, it's interesting because it does kind of, you know, th there's a variety of things I think you can learn about people and about human beings that can help you with partners help you communicate help you trying to have some understanding which we've kind of gone down this before but it took me a long time in my life to get to a point where I really understood that if I focus on myself and I'm truly doing the things that I need to do for myself that it helps me to open up more for a partner to where I can understand her needs what she's about but also have the patience to recognize that just because they do something that's different than how I would do it doesn't mean it's wrong I just have to sit here and say, okay, well, if that's how they want to do it. Then I'm going to let them do that what, that way because really in the in the grand scheme of what we're doing here, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. Um, I think that's with anything, man. You have to, most people, I believe, and it's a great conversation, I think, all the time. They just don't spend enough time focusing on, on themselves and who and what they're all about and what truly makes you happy and not being a front to uh, try to fit in with everybody else, but just like truly being comfortable with yourself and who you are. And I say that as a person who wasn't for a long time. Because I tell people all the time, my professional self, I was very, 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 y'all probably tell, overly comfortable with my professional self. My personal self was a freaking disaster. Um, and I'm not alone in that. You know, lots of people are successfully working, broken down yeah. at home because they can't figure out who they are or what they're all about, or they lack self-esteem or self-confidence. You go, how could you lack self-confidence? You're doing all this, all this, this other stuff. Well, 
again, the professional shit ain't got nothing to do with the personal stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same way athletes can show up and, you know, perform and score five touchdowns and be a superstar and go home and find, you know, comfort in some oxycodone because they can't deal with life. You know, so it's, it's not particular to me or anybody else trying to figure out how to how to love yourself and like yourself and and put yourself on your own pedestal and make yourself available for other people to love you or you love them. Because some people can't even be loved, man. They're so fucked up. They can't even allow somebody to love them because they don't want to be vulnerable enough for that to happen. Yeah. And, and, and as fascinating as this is, and, and I'll kind of wrap up what I'm saying, because, again, it says February 15th Zodiac sign summary. The February 15th birthday suggests that you are a witty individual who enjoys making others happy. Because of your truthfulness, you are a trustworthy person. But you must learn to be more patient with others and to better relate to them. And I know Matt. He's probably like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) No, and that was something that, like, again, as I got older, I started to realize that one of the things that frustrated the hell out of me when I was, especially my radio career, would be any time that I perceived that I was trying my hardest or trying to do something and other people weren't doing it or didn't understand like a bit that I was trying to do or, or whatever. And I get really irritated, you know, like, how do you not, like, we're doing this, like, blah, blah, and, and I'd get frustrated. Well, I, I okay, you be patient and figure out how to better relate to people. I mean, it's a yeah. great example of that. Like, you know, I texted you, I was having a guest on my show that I wanted to have for tomorrow afternoon. And again, we're recording this on the 15th. So I wanted to have them on the 16th. Then right. I find out our freaking morning show found out that I was going to have them on and went and booked them for the same day on the morning show. Now, in the past, I'd have gotten really pissed off and I was irritated. But in the past, I mean, I would have been like, what the fuck, you know, and I would have made a scene about it and all this. And instead, I just texted my producer said, hey, we're moving him to this afternoon. And they're like, oh, okay. And I was like, and if there's a problem with it, then we'll sit down and have a conversation and I'll explain my philosophy of why I disagree with what they've done. Because in the past, I wouldn't have done that. I would have just been, you know, bullheaded asshole about it. Right, 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 right. But what does that do? That doesn't help anybody when you're in the confines of a team and you're all trying to work. Really, you want each individual show to be successful so that the overall station is successful, which I've I've butted heads with people in the past because of that. Nah, that's now. see, I, I learned that early on and other people struggle with it because, you know, there's a quest to get credit for yourself or a quest to look good. But if everybody looks good and everybody's winning, I mean, it's like a football team, man. If the Cowboys, well, let's do this. If the Cowboys have won the Super Bowl, everybody about to get paid. All the free agents got about to get paid because everybody looks better. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, so you don't have to go out of your way. You just got to do it. Pretty much. And, and that's just something that I think comes with now. I can sit here and I'll say, okay, let me take a breath. Like, I can feel that I'm irritated with this, so I don't need to address it immediately. Let me take a breath, and we can circle back around to it if need be later on when I'm of a more patient mind, in a sense. You know, that's something I've gotten a lot better at is I want to respond right now, but I need a second to process and then let me respond so I don't lose myself here. No, that's uh, that makes sense. Because, you know, I threw out the suggestion, hey, you just take the sound from Matt's show. Do you not even have to worry about it? Yeah, I mean, that's what I would have done, and... You know, it, it, nobody's going to yeah. say anybody, and, and there's some, look, radio and a lot of stuff in the media, ego comes into play with people that blows my mind a lot, but it's just one of those things where it, it, they are doing it a different way, and I was like, I can explain exactly why I feel this way, and, you know, that's how it's going to be. I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, everybody has an ego in this business, and you, you wouldn't have right. success if you don't because you have to believe in yourself, and you have to believe that you're better, maybe not than everybody, but you're better than a lot. 
Otherwise, right, right, you right. just accept shit and your career is nothing. I mean, let's be honest. This is, but, True. you know, and I rarely ever do this, but I did text it. I said, look, if this is going to be a thing, only one of us has done radio in a top five market on a Marconi award winning station. So if I need to put my wow. balls, in the, I said, if I got to put my balls in the table, let me know. Wow. Yeah, you pretty much put your balls well, on. Well, you know, and part of it goes back to the, the whole thing, like you're cutting in front of the line. It, it's. Look, man, I, I've, I, I have experience. Like, I'm, I'm trying to offer a solution here that I have learned from a very successful station in a huge market. Like, I'm right. not just talking out of my ass because I'm irritated. Like, this is what I'm, I'm trying to help. But you don't want to listen to me. But, well, here's where I'm coming from. And if, if you need me to throw my credentials at you, here, you know, here's my rings, fucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a sense, that's what we were doing here. And I was like, I, you know. But we're trying not to do that. Right. But at some point, you can't let people push you around. I mean, it's, you know, I can approach this at a, at a calm, level-headed approach. But if you do need to do that, I don't, I'll throw the rings on the table and then we can, we can talk. That type of thing. Yeah, true that, man. You know, and they could throw their own stuff on the table. Like, yeah, but not in radio, man. And then I just shrugged my <laughs> shoulders. All right, before we get into Todd Archer, he's about to join us. Let's tell you about JR, his crew at Freeway Tire Shop. They've been with us since the very beginning. I mean, you guys that have taken your vehicles out there, you know what we're talking about. You've experienced it. So many of you have reached out and talked about like, man, I was blown away. Can't believe it. JR is exactly what you talk about. There are some of you that go, I don't know, you know that, that's a little far for me. I'm telling you, if you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you need work on your vehicles, you got to get him over to JR because he will blow your mind with the way he handles everything, and he's the mechanic you can trust. Dude, JR is the king to me. And that's, be, matter of fact, I had to take my, my Honda over there for the first time uh, sometime this week. Uh, it's doing a little rattling. Sounds like an alignment issue to me. Uh, but I don't know. And so, you know what? I trust JR to figure it out and tell me what it is. And then I trust him to use quality parts to fix whatever's wrong, bro, because not everybody does. I also trust him. Check this out, Matt. How about charge me a fair price? Whatever that is, just a fair price. We know it when we hear it. And then I, I trust him to stand behind his work. JR is the best, uh, I mean, like the best in terms of customer service, in terms of getting your car done at a fair price, getting it done quickly. Um, I, I recommend him to everybody and anybody. There it is right there, man. I'm going to tell you this. Go schedule your appointment right now. FreewayTireShop.com. It's that easy. Get over there because he will take care of you. Also, of course, it's the same thing with your foundation, with Aaron and his guys, another locally owned DFW business at HFX Foundation Solutions. And foundations are one of those things where not everybody has to deal with this. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But man, if you start noticing those signs, the best thing you can do is get a hold of JR. It's a free, no obligation inspection. He will come out personally and he will find out, do you have a problem? Is something going on with your house? Maybe, maybe not. But I'll tell you this, the earlier you catch it, the more money you save in the long run. And that is a fact with foundations. No, that's, that's the whole thing we're talking about, man. It's about um, uh, being preventative, man. It, that's why we call it a colonoscopy for your house. It's preventative maintenance, man. You let Aaron come over and check it out. And if there's no problem, hallelujah. This is great. And if there's a problem, chances are you caught it early before it uh, morphed into something much larger that's going to cost a heck of a lot more to get fixed. And I'll tell you, man, it, look, all these sponsors, they all listen to the podcast, too. Like, Aaron listens. He just sent me a picture. Remember the other day when I, we were talking about the animals that don't have tails? Like, they have nubs instead. 
right? Yeah, he sent me a picture. Aaron, he goes, I was cracking up that, that you, when you guys were talking about that the other day. He sent me a picture of his bobtailed house cat. He goes, yeah, it is. It's hilarious and weird. <laughs> I'm telling Hell, you, yeah. these are good people, and they're going to shoot you straight. HFX Foundation Solutions, 817-770-0174. You can give them a call or find them online at hfxfoundation.com. And, of course, as always, Smokey John's Barbecue. And, and Juan and Brent are some of the best people you'll ever meet, the brothers who run Smokey John's Barbecue. And we've been telling you about these guys for a long time. And, you know, I, Juan listens to every episode. He, he listens all the way through. I mean, he'll even send me emails about, hey, order that Biltong a couple of times. You're right. And, and this is what he said. He literally, we were talking about Bruce Biltong earlier. He goes, right. one thing I would say, Biltong is so savory, it's mouthwatering. And I was like... <laughs> I'm reading that straight from his email right now. I mean, look, all these guys, not only are you guys supporting our sponsors, they're supporting each other, and that's what makes this thing so awesome. And Smokey John's Barbecue, it just doesn't get any better than that. I mean, how cool is that that there's a barbecue place out there that has a secret menu item that's only available for Jam Session podcast listeners? Boom! That's what's up, man. It's the Jam Session Bowl. Go by, order one. You'll, you'll thank us later. Uh, and check this out. I've never seen two people just finish one. Normally, they, they, they plow through it, and they've got leftovers. Uh, so to feed two, three, four, I mean, it's huge. It's great. Sure, uh, your base, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese. Then they drizzle almost like a baked potato, man, but your choice of two out of five uh, meats, smoked meats, Ah, it's fantastic, brother. It is. So go go challenge yourself. See if you can eat the whole dang thing. I have no idea, but I know you're going to love it. And that's Smokey Dude. John's Barbecue. And also, don't forget, you can find them online at SmokeyJohns.com. It's right there just north of downtown Dallas, right off of Mockingbird, in between Lovefield and 35, Smokey John's Barbecue. So let's do it indeed. Let's roll in our ESPN Cowboys Insider, brought to you as always by Blue Star Motor Group. You can find out their selection online at BlueStarMotorGroup.com. Todd Archer joining us. And, and Todd, before we get into the Cowboys, and you know they did have some time off, no Super Bowl to deal with back at the office. What did you make of the Super Bowl, Matt Stafford and the Rams winning the championship? I liked the game. Uh, I'm glad it was a close game. I wish the other team had won for personal reasons, but, you know, it, it was entertaining and it came down to the end and that's, when, uh, that's always good enough for me. And I think, you know, you, you kind of look at the end and, and what the Rams did late, that last drive. Everybody in the building probably knew, okay, Beckham's out. Cooper Cup's getting the ball, and guess what happened? Cooper Cup got the ball. And everybody knows you better block Aaron Donald. Guess what happened? They couldn't block Aaron Donald. And then you come back to the Cowboys to a respect. It's like, who does Dak go to when it's crunch time and they absolutely positively need to play? I don't know the answer to that one. Who's the guy on defense that makes the play when they absolutely, nice, absolutely positively need to play? I don't know the answer to that one. Usually, you know, it, it could develop into Micah Parsons, but, you know, it, the, the, those kind of things kind of struck me as to the Rams' best players made the biggest plays and the biggest moments, and that's why they won the game. No, I think that's a, uh, that's a, that's a fair way to say it. And I, I think it, um, it leads you – well, before we go there, let's go with this. So we went on, a, on our own personal rant earlier about um, uh, Matt Stafford and where is this narrative that he's a Hall of Famer coming from? But I figured we'd check in yeah. with you 
Do you think it's uh, – what do you think about it? Uh, I would say no. Um, <laughs> That's what we say. And, and, and not that he can't be, become one, right? He, he's 34, so he's got however many years left that he'd want to play. But if he were to retire right now, no, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's won one Super Bowl. His career record's under 500. And no. <laughs> like, and that doesn't mean he's not a great player and he had a great season. But, yeah, I realize he had a number of comeback wins in Detroit. But when you've only had one year when you've won playoff games, I don't know. Hall of Fame is best of the best. It's not best of one season, which is what he's done and been. Um Right, right, but if right. he does this another couple, three times, okay, then it changes. But I don't know, like, has he ever been considered one of the one, two, three best quarterbacks of his era? No. So I don't know how he becomes a gold jacket guy yeah. based on a four-game run, which was really good. But did, are we putting Joe Flacco in the Hall of Fame for, for a good four-game run in Baltimore back in the day? I don't think we are. No, and, and that was kind of what I had said. I mean, you look at it, Matt Stafford has only ever been a Pro Bowler once. It's only one time in his career did people even consider him to be a top three quarterback that season in his conference, not in the, even in the league. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's a, it, it seems to be there's some reason why all of a sudden this is all coming up and that people seem to be, oh, Matt Stafford, now he's a Hall of Famer. It's really interesting. Well, it's because McVay said it after the game. And Dan Orlovsky is one of Orlovsky's, uh, one of Stafford's best friends, and he said it on ESPN. So that's why, that's where it's coming from. I, I, I'll to tie it back to the Cowboys. Uh, I, I'll go back to. I wrote this. I, I remember writing it, so I wanted to look it up. It was January twenty seventh of last year, and that sign was, "Don't the and we probably talked about it. Don't the Cowboys at least have to ask the Matthew Stafford question? Now clearly they didn't, but as you think back to it. Should they have at least asked the question to where not that you're going to do what he did with the Rams and win a Super Bowl, but you'd be in a situation maybe cap-wise, his contract is not out of line, and not that Dax is, but it allows you it would allow you to do other things with your roster and allow you to keep other guys maybe that you want to keep. Um, that was my point back last January of talking about Shouldn't they at least ask this Matthew Stafford question? I'm not saying go and do it, but at least ask it. And I don't even think they even asked the question, and I don't even know if the Lions had any conversations with them because it all went down so quickly with the Rams. But it is interesting to revisit that thought process at the very least. Well, I think Maybe here's another – well, no, you, you always bring interesting topics. Otherwise, we wouldn't have you on here on a regular basis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> um, Star Media Group, thanks you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it seems where's my bet. Well, I was just gonna fix it later. Uh, where do oh that... you were you were gonna fix it? Okay, goddamn. <laughs> Matt Matt does all this stuff. I'm just a talent. Matt makes the shit go. Um, and I'm I'm not my ego's not so big enough. I can't say that. Uh, but Matt went to school for he all this. And I just... That sounds pretty egotistical, but okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it's factual. <laughs> but Matt don't have no problem with it. I don't. Uh, that's why we get along, man. <sighs> now, where the fuck was I? Uh, Dak and Stafford. Stafford. 
But Dak and Stafford to me aren't really very far apart. They're in a lot of ways that they're, they're they're kind of the same guy to me. What do you think? Um, I, I think Stafford has a better arm, um, and can make throws e- more easily than Dak can. But I, but and I would say Stafford's arm is probably up there with. You know, it's him and Aaron Rodgers and maybe Josh Allen, right? Like Mahomes, like, you know, then after that, there's a drop-off. I I would say Stafford has a better arm, but, you know, all your other points, I think, stand well that they're largely, and again, we're not judging record just from what we know. Both locker rooms in, in Detroit and in L.A. and with the Cowboys love their guy, love, love the quarterback, love his tough as nails, guys who will play hurt do anything for the team. Uh, we've seen that from both of them. Um, both guys that have delivered for their teams in, in late in games. Um, if not, the obviously in Detroit, he never won a playoff game, and Dak is on one playoff win here. But, you know, I, I'd agree with your statement that they're, they're, that they're similar quarterbacks, maybe at different stages of their career because of the age gap. But, again, when I wrote that thing last year, I was thinking – you're talking about a $40 million a year quarterback, which is what Dak turned out to be versus I don't have it in front of me. I, I, Stafford might be $28 million, maybe. I don't know what the average per year on his contract is. So that gave you some wiggle room to do some other things, contra- uh, salary cap-wise. When you look at the Cowboys, and, and as you tweeted out today, they're back at the office – it seems like the last few off-seasons, there, there's been an obvious priority, number one. The DAC contract, the year before that, the whole Zeke thing and all that. What, what's priority number one on a long list of things they need to address this off-season? Yeah, it's not as obvious this year, right? And I would say the DAC contract was probably number one for two straight years, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, and, and, it, and it didn't happen the first time around. Um, and I, I don't know what the, the number one is right now in term in terms of like who you keep or who you cut right i, I think this probably might be some separate thought processes there in terms of if it's about who you're keeping well are you keeping it, it starts with amari cooper because that one has to be made before the fifth day of the league year or is 20 million dollar salary guaranteed so you got to make that decision pretty quickly um i would say from a player standpoint of like who you want to resign I would say it's Randy Gregory and there's some trickiness that comes with that because of the history that we all know there and is he truly like a guy that's going to become a 12 to 15 sack a year guy or is he going to be a guy who's gotten six sacks at his max Is, is there still room for Randy to grow as a player, I, I don't know the answer to that one. So I would put those two decisions probably at the top. And I know you're going to come up with someone else that I'll say, oh, yeah, that's a good point. But those ones kind of stick with me right now in terms of Cooper with the cap flexibility of what you're going to do with him and Randy as far as his ability as a player and what he could potentially be and what he means to the defense. Um, funny you should mention Cooper because I got a column on him uh, in the morning news tomorrow. I think he had a wasted season. Um, and I think um, the key is 
Jerry and Steven and Will McClay and Mike McCarthy got to figure out whose fault it, it is that it was a wasted season because you can't have a guy with the biggest contract amongst receivers put up the numbers that he did. So is it is it Amari's fault or is it Kellen Moore's fault for not getting him the ball? Is it Dak's fault for not uh, not going to him? Um, where do you think the, the blame lies? Well, you'll hate this. I'm going to say it's yes to everything because it really is, right? And I'm with you. You, you can't make a guy a $20 million receiver and then him not be the first option like Cooper Cup was and not get what we right. talked about at the very beginning. If you're paying that guy that much money, he has to be the number one guy. It's not, well, I throw to the guy who's open. Well, okay, if that's the case, then if, if, that's, if that's how you go about it, then scheme it so he's the guy who's open regardless of what the cover that's being played. Yeah. Right? Like We knew Aikman was going to, to Michael, and they schemed it. I guess, except for the NFC title game against San Francisco, <laughs> because Michael changed position thinking he was going to get the ball in Alvin Harper's spot. But you knew he was getting the ball when it, when it was nut cutting time. I don't know if you, you, you can't say that about Amari and Dak. And, and some of that is Dak throws to the open guy. Some of that is the scheme. And some of that is Amari doesn't always act like a number one. And I, and I don't mean with Diva qualities i just mean and his ability to be a 16 letter cuss word is it 16 14 what how many letters is it it's 12 letter cuss word man 12 letter there you go so so that's why i think it's on all of them and if they if they have no good answer to it then i don't know how you bring them back at 20 million dollars again this year and then you're in a situation where receiver jumps up as to as a Huge need. Perhaps the number one priority as opposed to a secondary priority for this team. Because even if Amari's back, they got to do something because Gallup is up and Cedric Wilson's up and Malik Turner's up. You know, those, once you get down to there, it's kind of whatever. But you got to do something well, with the receiver position regardless. Well, I think you got to bring him back, Doug, just because there was a very deep position this year. And if you don't bring it back, it's basically CD Lamb and the Miracles. And we don't even know if CD is a number one receiver yet, even though he led the team in yards and catches last year. Right. I, I'm re-signing Michael Gallup to a one or two year deal and letting him get healthy. And he might not be ready week one, but I'd bring him back and I'd consider bringing Cedric Wilson back at the right number. And then, you know, second round picks. Maybe that's where you look for. But again, you're in a situation where I know, Jacques, you're lying. I think it was you. Maybe it was Chill. Wide receivers are like two guards in the NBA. Maybe you can find them anywhere. I, the Cowboys really haven't found their wide receivers anywhere. They found their receivers at the at the top end of the draft. Uh, that was a Chill line. He'll be happy that you uh, that you remembered that. I've I've said it very often over the years. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I agree with that. It's just they got to figure out because I don't think their offense is better without Amari Cooper. And their offense was trash in a lot of regards at the end of the year. And so I don't know how you get better if you don't bring Cooper back. Now, there are ways to do it. I just don't know what they are yet. Right. And look, you know, Dak has been better with Amari around. And we know what Dak was like in 2018 before the trade. Now I think Dak is at a different level of his career and experience and ability than he was then. And he should be able to make guys better around him that aren't 20 million dollar receivers right and he can make the argument that he made cedric wilson better than he was so that would be a, right. right uh he, 
he has to take Dak will have to take that step if Amari well he might take that step regardless but but Dak will have to be a guy that makes players the receivers around him better um, and putting them in position to make bigger plays not them putting Dak in position to make bigger plays. Well, speaking of the draft, Todd, what area is it offensive line? Do they have to go offensive line in, in the first round this year? Uh, I don't know about have to. And I, I, I and I would use the last two drafts as the example. Like, I don't know if they had to have a receiver when they took C.D. Lamb. I don't know if they had to have an off-the-ball linebacker when they took Micah. They just kind of took the best guy that was there when they were picking those two seasons. And when you're at number 24 – you're kind of at the mercy of what everybody else does. So, but yeah, they have to address the offensive line. They have to address the defensive line. Let's be honest. They got to address a, a lot of stuff on this team in part because of free agency. Like they have, to, if Dalton Schultz is gone, they have to get a tight end. Uh, it, it, you know, they have to get a safety because of the free agency situation that they have with those guys. You can always make a case that you need more cornerbacks. And if Anthony Brown is, if he's a guy that ends up, they move move on from, well, then that's another have to have position. So, you know, defensive end, if Randy Gregory's not back, if they move on from Demarcus Lawrence, hello, defensive end, defensive tackle. Boy, wouldn't it be nice to have like a 300 plus pound guy in the middle just once to plug up some holes? Whether he's a guy who can rush the passer or not, that seems to be like a thing the Cowboys have not done in forever. So, yeah, the, like they can go so many different ways in the draft that I don't know if it must anywhere because just how their ro- roster is comprised at the moment. How much restructuring – I think it was over the cap I saw the guy who runs that or whatever tweet out something that – they could create something like seventy plus million dollars in cap space just by restructuring signing bonuses and, and or converting into signing bonuses and doing all that. How much do you anticipate the Cowboys messing with a lot of these contracts trying to create? How do I say this politely? Don't worry about um, saying it politely. <laughs> say that's some bullshit. They, they, It'll never happen. They can do whatever they want. They can restructure and man, it's this is easy. Boom! Here's your fifty million dollars under the cap. Go ahead and go get them, boys. But you're really going to restructure Tyron Smith's contract when he's 30 years old, he's not played a full season in, since 2015, and you're going to tack on more money to the backside of his contract when you might want to get out of it? That doesn't seem to make much sense. You're going to restructure Zeke's contract when you can finally get out of it after the 2022 season in a, in a relatively easy manner? Well, that doesn't seem to make much sense. You're going to restructure Demarcus Lawrence's contract at his age, when he's had the injuries that he's dealt with, and, and and again, he's he's not had a multi or double digit sack season since he signed the contract. Well, that doesn't seem to make much sense. So now you're in a situation where if you're going to restructure and get all that room, well, you kind of fork the future for you. And and I, I'm not opposed to kicking the can down the road on guys. And I, I don't think cap hell is the right way to say things. But you do have to be smart about the cans you do kick. And right. age and injury and what it does to the future cap has to be among the consideration. And I don't see this salary cap going from $208 million, at least from the people I talk to across the league, from $208 million this year, which, by the way, is still about a $12 million hole of what they thought it was going to be two years ago. 
to say $230 million next year. Like, I don't think this big bump that a lot of people anticipating in the cap is coming the way a lot of people do. So there's some responsibility that they have to have. So I guess a roundabout way is you're going to restructure Dak. You can make the case for restructuring Amari, but I think it's going to be more cuts and pay cuts than restructures. Who do you think's taking pay cuts, bro? Um, yeah, good luck to you on that one. <laughs> well, so that's what I'm saying. Like, we can save pay right. cuts, but most cats are like, I'm not going to take a pay cut, bro. I'm good. I'll go out and, on the market. Yeah. Right. And, and now, like, I know Demarcus Lawrence, right? He's a, he, it's $27 million, and his base salary is 17 or whatever it is. Um, does he want to go somewhere else? and not have the same kind of setup that he has here in terms of how much he practices or how much he does in an off season. You know what I mean? He's got a pretty good setup here. I, I'm, I'm just speaking out loud. Now I know his agent fairly well. He, I, it would stun me if they would take a pay cut, even if it was a pay cut to where you could earn your money back through incentives. That, that, that would surprise me. Tyron Smith, he's been here. 11, 12 years now, whatever it is going on. Would he want to up and go somewhere else? And would another team pay him what he's going to be making um, when he's missed as much time as he's missed? So, you know, you you don't know unless you ask the question to some of these guys. But, yeah, like, I wouldn't take a pay cut. (laughs) Like, you know, uh, with the, you know, teams, teams never make up. If you have a, if you're getting two million dollars a year and you 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 have an eight million dollar season, well, teams don't add six million dollars to your contract the next year. So, I wouldn't take the pay cut, but I think there's a, there there might be ways to to work through some things, uh, with some guys to, that have been here a while that would want to stay and realize they have a pretty good setup here, um, with the, with the team. All right, Todd Archer, man, we appreciate. It. Thanks for the chat. That's it. We're done. Did you have something 20 else? Minutes today? Well, yeah, twenty well, minutes I'm, is a good bit. I mean, I thought you had to go to Lily's. Uh, that's your daughter's uh, soccer game. Be the doting dad. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I love to have you. I love it when you're out there doing your thing. I always like it when dads go to uh, go to a kids' game. And Archer's been to a, quite a few over the years. We got we got twenty five minutes till kickoff. But I'll say I got a story coming on ESPN later this week <laughs> on Dak and why this off season is going to be so different for him based on basically his health and how we can start it instead of going back to starting point a because of the rehab with his foot and the ankle, he can jumpstart and start thinking about football again, where this time last year he was just basically walking again. Now he can actually train for a football season. And I think that's a benefit to him, to the Cowboys. And, and certainly in a season where he better, the pressure gets ratcheted up on him in 2022, probably greater than it ever has on how, based on how 20, 2021 ended and what happened in 2020. Have we figured out what our theory is on what was wrong with Dak the last two months of the season? Again, from a dude that scored through 37 touchdown passes, 10 interceptions, but clearly right. was just kind of above, slightly above average, if not just average, the last two months of the season. We've all tried to give him the out on the calf injury, and he never wants to take it. He told Rich Eisen last week that I just didn't play well. Like, I just didn't play good ball, I think is what he said. So that's good on him for saying that and admitting that he didn't play as well. 
I do think I, one thing I mentioned in the story is his personal quarterback coach, John Beck, and we might have talked about this during the season, took a job with the Jets right around the time Dak was coming back from the calf strain. So he wasn't around to – now he still had this guy, the other guys at 3D QB to help, but the guy that he's dealt with for the last three, four years was with the Jets and, and wasn't the same sounding board. So that might have been part of the issue, although, again, Dak didn't take that one, um, and, and his trainer certainly didn't believe that was part of the issue. And it kind of goes to what we talked about, who's to blame on Amari. And you go to everybody. Dak didn't play well. The coaches didn't play well or coach well. And the line struggled. The decisions on what they did with the running game wasn't right. So, you know, every year we talk about, like, well, what did these Super Bowl teams do and what can the Cowboys copy and try and become the next Super Bowl team? And I realized, and Jock, you're going to like it. I'm about to swear for you. I, I realize now that's just a bunch of bullshit. You know what they oh! got to do? Play better. They got to play and coach. They got to play and coach better. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Friggin' right, rocket science, right there, isn't it? Like that's what they got to do. They got to play and coach better. It's not about well, the the Rams did this, so you copy the Rams, or the Bengals did this, so you got to copy the Bengals. No, you got to play and coach better. Like that's what it comes down to. There, there's not much that separates these teams, and Nothing. that's a boring answer. No one likes it, but it's actually true. No, it's. Um, I mean, I think the even more boring answer is go look at the Super Bowl. Your mm-hmm. big-time players got to make big-time plays at big moments. Yep. Aaron Donald on not just fourth down, third down, where he does the perfect technique to hold up the guard, see where the runner's going, and then stop him a yard short of a first down. And then, you know, Cooper Cup on the game winning drive. Boom, boom, boom. You can't stop him. He's everywhere, and then he scores. Your best players right. at winning time got to make the best plays. And, uh, you know, Stafford was like that. Whatever he threw his two picks and he had that stretch where he was just kind of, eh. At winning time, he figured out a way to make it happen. Right. And, now, yeah, the no-look throw that everybody's going yeah. gaga over, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that, I mean, it's – boy, we're really breaking news. You better play and coach better. And and, and, and that's uh, – but that's ultimately what it – because neither one of these teams were the best teams in the league during the course of the season. They just were the teams that – were the best on four consecutive weekends and there are three consecutive weekends when they played than the teams they played that. against. So it's, it's a little bit like the Parcells get in the tournament and see what happens. But sometimes I think people look at that and say, well, if you get in, you got the same chance. Well, no, I mean, if you're a wall card, if you're a seven and nine team, like when, when Washington won the division in 20, they had no chance of making, making the, Super Bowl, even though they were in the tournament, but the the way that the Bengals were playing, the way that the Rams were playing towards the end of the season, the way the Giants played the end of the year in 07 when they beat the Cowboys, uh, the way that the Packers, when they won the Super Bowl, they were the sixth seed, right? I think they needed to win their last two games just to make the playoffs when McCarthy won the Super Bowl that year. So it's, it's really about getting hot at the right time and maintaining that as opposed to being the best team weeks one through 18. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I think, and, and Jacques and I mentioned this, I mean, this is a season really, because I was watching the Super Bowl, man, neither one of these teams is a great all-time team. But like you're talking about, in a season in which there wasn't a great all-time team, these teams are the ones that somehow just managed to survive it week in and week out through whatever it was for the Rams four, four weeks in a row to win a Super Bowl championship when the Cowboys can't ever figure out how to put that together. Right. Look at the Bengals run. You know, they, they pick off a pass 
at the goal line against the Raiders to solidify that game. They, they beat Tennessee, the number one seed, the following week because Ryan Tannehill throws a bunch of picks and they have a guy make a 50-yard field goal, however long it was. And then they win the AFC title game because Mahomes melts down in the second half. A lot of the reason why the Cincinnati coaches put together a plan that helped them melt down. Um, so, again, playing better, coaching better. It's funny how all that works. It is, man. And, and as you said originally, the one thing that jumps out to that Super Bowl is that and the whole idea that everybody knew Cooper Cup was going to get the ball and they still got the ball to Cooper Cup. That, that blew my mind. I right, whereas we, we've seen it around here with the Cowboys, uh, especially during the Garrett era. No, maybe we haven't noticed or seen it as much during the McCarthy two years, but what's their answer? Like, well, Dez was double. We couldn't get it to Dez. Well, why the hell not? He's friggin' Des Bryant. Get him the ball. Like, figure it out. Scheme him open. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm assuming the Bengals knew also knew that Cooper Cup was going to be getting <laughs> yeah, the ball. Yeah. And they did what they could do to try and take it take it away, and they couldn't. It's 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 it seems so easy. We we and, and the line that I've used. The Cowboys are close, but they're also a million miles away. And, and, and <laughs> I think you can say that about a lot of teams. Right, you can, but but, man, that it's, you know, the the Rams couldn't run in the Super Bowl, and when Odell Beckham Jr. goes out, I, I I'd have to go back and look. I don't even know if Stafford targeted another receiver on that final drive, and they went down the field when everybody knew they're just going to keep throwing it to Cup, and that I thought it, you know, I don't know that 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 was extraordinarily frustrating as a Cowboys fan watching a team where I was like, well, the Cowboys can't run. Like, oh, well, I don't know. That guy over there might cover Cooper. What should we do? Ah, it's an incompletion. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, uh, it, it was fourth and one on the Cowboys 30 with 3.45 to go, and you had your timeouts, and they, they went for it on the jet sweep, the cup. We got all wondering, what would the Cowboys have done in that situation? They would have ran well, sick right in the middle back, of the line. Or, or, or they have punted it on yep. fourth and one and try to get a stop. I don't know, man. But, yeah, there it is. All right, Todd, you made it 30 minutes, so that's good. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Do I get, I get paid extra? I get paid extra for that, right? No, oh, hell no. I, hell I don't no. know where that no. came from. Can't hear you, Todd. What did you say? Talk to you later. We got seven months until football season starts again, so let's have some fun. Yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah, we will. All right, Todd, enjoy the game. All right, bro. All right. All right. See you guys. See you, man. All right. All right, there he is, ESPN's Cowboys insider, Todd Archer. Brought to you, as always, by Blue Star Motor Group. Give Deb a call. I'm telling you, give Deb a call. You need a car, you're trying to sell a car, Deb is the person to talk to. It's very easy. Or shoot her a text if you're afraid of speaking on the phone. 817 817- 881-4066. It's that simple. Yeah, what a lively chat that was. That was a lively chat. I will say, though, and that was something, we talked about this probably after the Super Bowl when we were doing the podcast. That drove me insane. You know, there were times where I felt like I was watching the Cowboys offense because the Rams kept trying to run the ball. Right. Like, they kept trying over and over, and I think they ended up with, like, 1.9 yards a carry or something like that. Yeah, I think Cam Akers had, like, you know, 13, 14. What is 13 carries, 24 yards, something like that? Yeah, and they kept trying, and they kept trying, and they kept trying, and it just, I mean, for whatever reason, and who knows why, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't going to happen for them. But, man, it was one of those things 
Yeah, the Rams had 43. <laughs> they had 43 yards rushing in that in the entire game. And then that's what blew my mind. I was like, okay, well, they've got a couple of weapons. No, when Odell goes down, and then it was just Stafford to Cup, Stafford to Cup. And they even talked about it on the broadcast. I, I think it was Collinsworth, you know, th- that they were just going to bracket coverage on Cup and the Rams are going to have to try to find ways to get him the ball. Guess what? They did. They were like, <laughs> you know what? Maybe we'll do a slant here. Maybe we'll do like a five-yard stop and go and he'll just turn around and Stafford will throw it in a spurt. I just, ugh, just insane, man. I that, that was one of the things that blew my mind was that they drove the field without having to run the, like they couldn't run for shit until Cup had the little end around thing like Todd was talking about. And they just passed it to Cup all the way down the field and the other team couldn't stop it. It was amazing, really. I was like, damn. You know, and it'd be interesting to go back and hear or listen to the real coach, but at some point you're like, somebody else is going to win the game. Cooper Cup ain't catching nothing else. Yeah, that's what you would if think. We, if, we, if we have to triple him, then we'll triple him. It just it was, somebody else gonna have to do the thing, especially with Beckham out. Somebody else has got to go beat us, and they couldn't. And nobody. I, I that is one of the things that if you are a Cowboys fan, as many of you are listening, that had to drive you insane watching that on Sunday night because it drove absolutely me insane. Posit- absolutely, positively insane. I just was. I, I just. I kept shaking my head. I was like, "Oh, what a shot!" Cup caught another one. I don't get it, I thought, but I don't understand. I mean, my God, I'm going to get frustrated <laughs> on this. I'm going to lose my mind on this, and I don't want to do that. All right, we've got another podcast that we will be dropping. Oh, you wanted to bring up something about your son. I forgot. Uh, yeah. No, it was, just, um, it, it was just a small thing that fits into a corner of the podcast. Well, this is the corner. These, and there, there are these interesting things that go on, man. So... You know, for a long time, he wanted to be a football coach, like up until like like maybe like a year ago. Uh, he loves football, blah, blah, blah. And then he started looking into his like coaches move way too much because he wanted to coach college yeah. football. He's like, I don't I, I can't see myself living in a different state every year for 20 years. So then he got into this psychology thing. And here's where it's funny being a dad. And Matt, this 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 stuff is headed your way, man. Because they're growing up and they're getting more into this or that. And so I've been, he's not a voracious reader at all. Matter of fact, he's not a reader at all. Um, He can read. (laughs) And so I've tried to get him some books that I know really appeal to him. And three times I've gotten him a book, Matt, and this has been a response every single time. Hey, have you started that book yet? Nope. (laughs) Um, Hey, uh, why don't you uh, why don't you check it out? I wouldn't have gotten it for you unless I thought you'd really enjoy it. Okay, I get around to it. Hey, Doug, check this out. Your ass is grounded if you don't start the book. And then that's followed up by, hey, that was a really good book, Dad. I finished it already. Because um, I'm three for three in terms of recommendations. So I've been trying to get him into audio books. Okay, listen to a book when you're in the car. All right? If it's something that you like. So whatever, Doug. So. He asked me for my Audible account the other day, and I recommended something. And, dude, I got on my account to go get a book because I said, oh, I've got one credit. I'll go get this book, and I'll start it at the gym tomorrow. And I go, and I I open up my account, Matt, and I go, I don't remember buying this book. And the book book was something you can appreciate. The Kama Sutra. No, no. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) The book was... Analyzing people with dark psychology. Oh, and I go, right. okay. And I go, hey, 
I text him. I said, hey, did, did you order a book off my account? He goes, yeah. I go, you took my last credit, huh? He goes, yeah. That way I didn't have to pay for it. I go, oh, okay, cool. Uh, you know, I'm never going to bitch and moan at you for, uh, for ordering a book. So he's wanted to be a psychologist for about the last year and study serial killers. All right, I'm down with that. That sounds intriguing to me. Well, dude, we went to the Super Bowl the other day. And uh, we get in the car, and the first word out of his mouth is, tell me about the stock market. Wow. I go, what do you, what do you want to know? I just want to know. I think you can make money in the stock market. I go, you can. I go, but what else can you do in the stock market? He goes, I don't know. I go, dude, if you can make money, you can damn sure lose money in the stock market. So we're talking about the stock market. And he goes, I said, so you're interested in that? He goes, yeah. He goes, and I want to flip houses too. Whoa. I go, I go, sounds to me like you want to be more of a businessman and an entrepreneur than a psychologist these days. He goes, yeah, I think so. Because he's also started this business. like, And he's doing this like 90% by himself, man. Um, he's, he started, maybe I told you this, man. I saw him walking around with a hoodie last year that said mentality on it. And I said, what is that? He goes, oh, it's just a cool hoodie. I said, why is it cool? He said, oh, all the kids are wearing it. It's got mentality on it. I said, you're a good-looking dude. You're an athlete. Why don't you get your own shit and wear your own label <laughs> and sell it to somebody else instead of you making somebody else rich? Yeah. And, and he never said anything else about it, dog. Next thing I know, three months later, he's like, I'm going to start a hoodie business. <laughs> and so he's been calling people and pricing hoodies and all this other stuff. And so the long way to the story is, man, I had one credit on my account. I just finished Jay Glazer's great book, uh, Unbreakable. Uh, it's really a fantastic book. I tell you, go out and check it out. Jay Glazer's book from Fox. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, so I got a credit left. I'm going to get it. Dude, I hopped on my account. He took my last fucking credit again. Jeez, this guy. This time he bought Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is okay. a book about investing and how to make money and all this stuff. And I was just like, man, I can't really bitch at him for, for, uh, for buying books. <laughs> But the evolution of your kids, man, it's just wild when you see it up close as they're really starting to mature and figure out what they're going to do with their life and, uh, and branch up. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, that, that's, you know, if he actually really wants to get into flipping houses at some point, I happen to know somebody who did that. And, you know, Chris, used, that's how he got started was basically flipping houses. And now he's kind of gone way beyond that. But I flipped a house with Chris once. Did I ever tell you that? No. No, yeah, when, when, so I was trying to find like a little something extra, you know, and so Chris was trying to figure out that whole thing. This was, this was right before I left Birmingham originally. So this would have been like six or six years ago or whatever that was. And Chris, I found a property. He was like, you know what? Birmingham's on the up. Let's, uh, let's do it. Let's flip a house. We can go, both go in it and you can make a little extra money and stuff like that. So he got a house here and we were flipping it. And I was going over there like every day, you know, making sure things right. were getting done and all that. And then I got let go and had to move back to Texas. <laughs> and the project wasn't finished yet. And I mean, I'll tell you, like, if you're not on the site, like going every day and making sure these people are doing what they're supposed to do and what they say, half the time they just don't show up. And Chris was having a beating about it because he was trying to operate all that from Texas. I think he had to come out a couple of times and it just ended up being... You know, it, it was an unfortunate thing where we barely made any money on it by the time they finally got it done and he could get it sold. But, you know, he, he does real estate stuff all the time now in Austin where they're doing all kinds of deals. Well, yeah, you know, that's what his mom does. So, 
you know, I told him, I said, well, you need to ask her when she's showing houses or when she's doing stuff. Uh, you just need to hang out. And I told her, you know, you need to teach him how to do your paperwork or, you know, start him now. And so, you know, because he can do all this stuff while he's graduating and in college and learn it and, you know, come out the gate running. Yeah, that whole world is fascinating, man, because especially like on the east side of Austin, where property value is really high, but there's not a lot of really nice stuff over there because it, that used to be the the poorer side or whatever of Austin. So Chris and his business partners have bought up like a few properties over there. They go in there, they, they basically like bulldoze whatever on there. And then he's got these contractors and these people and this other company that he owns that does stuff. And they come in there, like he they just built... They took one, a, a spot like right, I mean, 10 minutes from downtown Austin on the east side. And they had taken it and they had flattened out whatever it was. And they built, instead of one house, they built two duplexes. And I mean, they were, I, when I, last time I was in Austin, he took me by there because they were about to put them on the market. And I was like, oh my God, this is fancy. Like, this is nice. And right. so instead of one unit, they split it in half. And I think they sold each one of them for like a million dollars or whatever. Jeez. That's be nice, eh? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's but I thought that was badass. You know, I kind of toot my brother's horn a little bit because I was like, man, this is like he did all like the the staging is what they call like when you walk in. Oh, he did that. Yeah, he did all that himself. And, and you know, he he they because he's been doing this for several years now. So he's got an eye for what buyers in that part of Austin want and what they're looking for and this type of thing. And he's like, oh, yeah, look at this little feature and look at this. I'm like, oh, my God, this is incredible that you do this, this is pretty awesome. Yeah, no joke. So good no job, joke. Chris. Way to go. That's awesome. (laughs) And that's why he can take vacations for a month at a time. (laughs) Hell yeah. That's the way to do it. All right. We'll have Clarence Hill Jr. on the podcast coming out on Friday. And from there, we'll see. We'll see what happens because Monday is President's Day and everybody has a holiday. So we'll see how the rest of the week wraps up. But enjoy the rest of yours. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.